This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to the Oak Road Hatter podcast. I am Billy Mully and this is what we've got coming up today. We go through the Stoke defeat as we head into the international break, two points off the playoff positions. We also take a look at a couple of things that have come from yesterday's Luton Town Supporters Trust meeting. We also take a little look into the January transfer window as we are fast approaching it. But getting into today, we are joined by Jamie Castle, Stephen Day and Dylan Bundia. Lads, how are you getting on? Good evening. I'm good, thanks. How are you, mate? Yes, I'm all good. Cheers. Um, yeah, as as um, these international breaks go past, they get worse and worse as, as they go on. But <laughs> I think you're going you're going to a game, aren't you, Jamie? I'm I'm going to San Marino. So yeah, it's um it's it's not quite as bad for me these breaks, but I, I appreciate it. it can be pretty bad for you guys. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that. Dylan, how are you getting on, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How about you? Not good after Stoke, but um, but yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, it always makes it worse, don't it? Going into the international break after a loss like that, where we where we barely threatened. Stephen, how are you getting on? Ah, uh, yeah, not too bad. Had a long day, but other than that, pretty good. Perfect time to talk shite about the Hatters. <laughs> going in, going into the Stoke game. Um, had Barry and Lansbury missing two players, as, as Dylan, you've described as sort of our two progressive players, players that get on the ball and, and sort of break the lines with their passing range. So having Alan Campbell come back in, do you think, what do you sort of make of the shift he put in? And I know he's not this, a, a similar player to Lansbury and, and Barry in the way he operates, but is that the kind of tenacity we need? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Alan Campbell is... Uh, you know, we haven't seen much of him, obviously, but what he is, is he's an engine. He works. He can, his fitness levels are through the roof. He can press, he can mark, he can do all the jobs that we need our central midfielders to do. However, was he what we probably lacked in the, in the game against Stoke? No. In, in the Stoke game on Saturday, we needed someone 
just with that quality in the final third. And, and that's what NJ said after the game. We just we just lacked that moment of quality in the final third. Someone who could open out and receive, who could just see a picture and, and play a pass. And, and so, yeah, definitely we lacked um, the intelligence of Barry in the final third and, and the kind of ability to dictate and, and penetrate that Lansbury gives us from deep. Um, so, look, you know, it's not a slight on Alan Campbell at all because... Alan Campbell is a very good player and he's going to have a good season with us if he can stay fit. But in terms of what we lacked against Stoke, no, we, it wasn't. Um, Campbell wasn't the one to, to kind of come in and do that. But the only other option really was Mus was Musque. Um, so, you know, Campbell, Campbell played well, but we, what we lacked was that quality in the final third, I think. Yeah, I think we can say they're all sort of similar kind of players when you look at the midfield, Osho, Pelly. Pelly sometimes has that spark, and but he's not as as creative, as influential as as sort of Barry can be, and, and Lansbury in terms of, of turning defences with his range of passing. But going on to the goal that we conceded, it's it's got to be said it's very disappointing the manner it was conceded, and, and given the fact that it was pretty much carbon copy of the goal that we conceded against Middlesbrough. Yeah, they, yeah, that was spot on. It was. Um really frustrating the game was really frustrating the goal was really frustrating um it's, it's tough to really really analyze who was at fault i don't think one person was at fault i think that there was a few errors on, on the way um but yeah i think it was even more frustrating that, that it was a carbon copy of of Borough. and unlike Borough, we, we couldn't bounce back um yeah i mean i, I don't want to overanalyze the game because i thought that we were good in spells state were good in spells just one of those games um but yeah, I think think frustrating sums up Saturday. To be fair, yeah, I I didn't go on Saturday um, because you know I'm I'm just not a real Luton fan to be honest. <laughs> um, but I've just watched the the highlights, and I think Berg has to do better with his marking. Um, it, it was his man that that scored. Uh, Sluger should have saved it really I know it's like one of those ones that you say in hindsight he should have saved it but <clears throat> I think he's got to do better there but Burke really has to well you've got to stay goal side it's sort of simple if you've got a man running behind you or in front of you you've got to make sure you're goal side of him and he didn't do that and it was just something simple to something simple with how we conceded and it's just frustrating Is it fair to say that the last five games we haven't been at it because if you think back to how we played against Swansea first half, Millwall, Coventry, we haven't hit those sort of levels of, of performance, but is that sort of part and parcel of this championship season? We're going to have spells where we're playing very good football and we're getting results, but we're also going to have those, those times where we're not playing so well and getting results. And, and obviously the worst combination when you're not playing too well and you're not getting the results. So is it sort of part and parcel of, of championship football? I, I wouldn't say we've, we've not been ourselves. I think it's part and parcel of where we are as a club at the minute. I mean, obviously, we all have aspirations of getting top six this season and they are, by all means, still very realistic. But we're a club that you hate harping on about it. We were, we were in League Two, what, five, six years ago? We've got, we got, what, eight or nine players in our squad that were, were in, those, in, that, in that League Two side. Like, it, we have to expect those sort of games and and for okay the last five games we may not have been ourselves but 
that 15 minutes against against Barrow on Tuesday, we were electric. And obviously I wasn't on the pods to talk about it, but there's not a single side that would have coped with us during those, during those 15 minute spell. And, and that is the side that we want to get to for 75, 90 minutes a game. But we're just not, we're not that far through our progress at the minute. Stoke, the Stoke are a side that have been together for two years, two years longer than, than what we have. Um, and that showed, that their experience showed for all, for all the youth that they've got in the side, like Ostergaard and Sutar, that they're probably, they're still more experienced players at, at this level. And, and that showed. And I think that ultimately is what won it for them on Saturday was, was, that, was that experience. I'm with um, Jamie on that. I, I don't think we've been we've been bad at all. I think, you know, as Jamie said, it's just part and parcel. We're not going to go out and and do what we did to Swansea in the first half every single game. We're not going to go out and totally outplay teams. We're going to have moments, and we're going to have to really grind through games and and then pick our moments to then show that quality. You know, I don't I don't think, especially with our style of play, but also the players we've got, we're going to dominate. And, and do the kind of things that we were doing in, in League One where we were just tearing teams apart. We're going to have to do the hard, the hard yards and, and then as we did against Millwall perfectly, which was we did the hard yards for 90 minutes and then had two moments of real quality to win the game. Um, so, you know, obviously Preston was bad. Um, Stoke wasn't the same as Preston, um, but it, obviously it wasn't great. But, you know, I think that's just part and parcel of our style of play and, and, and the way that we're going to go about competing with other teams yeah I, I think there's three games that you could say are pretty similar games you've got Stoke at home you've got Hull at home and you've got Huddersfield at home in in terms of the way the games were both in terms of both sides performances I thought they were a very similar game Hull we took the lead and and that's what we needed on against Stoke if we if we, we would have took the lead then I think we would have gone, gone on to win 1-0 and obviously it's all ifs and buts but they're very similar games in terms of neither side really sort of could could have said rightfully that 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 they should have won the game, but it's it's the level of football that we're at, and ultimately one moment of quality for Stoke won the game, and and that's all it was really for me. It's, it's actually oddly satisfying that we haven't been at our best last five games because we know how much better we can play. We know that we've got those performance levels, and it's also seeing a, a club like Stoke coming to Luton and and playing the way they did. That says a lot about how far we've come from. And I, Absolutely. a lot of people have said about Stoke how it was our um, disgraceful for time wasting and stuff. But they're they're there to win a football match. They're of course they're going to do that. They they see Luton it, rightfully is a, a it's a big win for them. It's a big win to come to Kenilworth Road. Not saying because we're a massive club, but the way we're playing at the moment, the way we we're set up, the, the confidence that we've got instilled in the team the athleticism factor, to come to Kenilworth Road and take three points is, is a big thing. Uh, absolutely, it's spot on. I mean, I mean, like you said, Stoke have every right to play whatever sort of football that they want to play. Do, do I agree with it? No, I don't, but they got three points and that, that's what matters. And, and they, they came to us, they, they had a game they had a game plan quite clearly and they played it out to absolute perfection of, and fair play to O'Neill, fair play to his players. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean... <laughs> It, it was a massive mark of respect or a sort of sign of respect to, and it shows how, how how far we've progressed as a side because let's be honest we, we should be nowhere near the top six with all this talk about budgets but the job that Nathan, Sweet, the lot are, are all doing they're doing a fantastic job and it's just yeah just, for me it's just like we, we move on to keep you our way. 
That's it, yeah. QPR away. Cannot wait for that. Another really good away day in London, let's hope. And then Forest straight after as well. So I think we're all going to be all going to be pretty happy with that. But well, um, what one thing I do want to say is is about Elliot Thorpe. Um, is he kind of player that you think could have done a job in a game like Saturday? We, we sort of spoke there about missing Berry and Lansbury and the sort of the progressive play that they um, they tend to operate as. And, and do you think that, that that Thorpe's the kind of player that could have come in and? given us something a little bit different. I know maybe a bit too premature at the moment, but surely he's going to be chucked into the fray at some point. Um, well, I think with Elliot Thorpe, is he obviously hasn't been in a match day squad yet, I don't think. Um, now, that would suggest that, and also when he came here, I think he hadn't had a pre-season. So I think those kind of two things would suggest that this year isn't going to be his year. You know, he's very much someone that will come in and in two, three years' time, hopefully impact the team. Um, obviously, I haven't seen a whole load um, of Elliot Thorpe, and and but the fact that he hasn't really been in the match day squad would suggest that he's some way off being someone who can really impact uh, the championship, which is fine because you know he's I think he's nineteen or or twenty or something like. That. So it's, oh yeah, it was wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Birthday, I think he's, he's twenty one, and and he's got. He's got time, but I think just the fact he, that we don't even feel like he can come on and come off the bench and, and affect the game would suggest that he's got a bit of work to do. So right now, probably not. In the future, absolutely, yes. And I think with with Thorpe as well, what, what we've seen a few times this season, players like Glenn Ray got chucked into the into the team, but I think that's, that's more to do with trust. But it shows that, that Jones knows when to put certain players in he knows when players are ready and I think that's going to be the case with Thorpe um I thought that he'd be in the match day squad already I, I thought by the way he came across the way Jones came across about about the sign and I thought maybe he'd be in and around the 18 but I think what we've got to be patient with him we've obviously got some sort of gem um a player that a lot of teams were after and it's just about making sure that we play him at the right time and, and sort of build his confidence from, from that way, I guess. Go on to another thing that, that Dylan said the other week about Bradley um, playing as left-sided centre-back. It was something that we thought was temporary. We couldn't really see happen again, but we set up that way again. And there was sort of that clear game plan that, that we wanted um, Cal Naismith to come forward with the ball. And build attacks from that kind of that kind of way. Is that something? Now we've seen it a second time. We, we can sort of come to expect, or is that something that we might go back on? It's actually really interesting because I, I do get why. Because I think it's it's harder to press that that middle centre half compared to the right centre halves. And in my head, I, I actually thought the weekend that is it part of a transition back to a diamond where you've got Naismith that is basically that DM dropping back in the middle. And then you've got what would be your centre half pairing of Bradley and Burke sort of either side. I don't, I don't know. Is that is that maybe in his thinking as, as a natural transition towards a diamond? I don't know. It, it, it's definitely interesting. Um, Nathan's clearly got his reasons for it, um, and he, he and he made the switch on Tuesday and it worked. So um, yeah, it's it, it's definitely an interesting one. What about you, Stephen? Do you think that that, that that Bradley can play as a left centre back. I think Dylan said before about the, the lack of pace and the fact that Naismith is a player that brings the ball out and that sort of suits playing as a left centre back. 
can you see Bradley stepping into that role more often? And, and does that pave a way to having Lockyer and, and perhaps Burke as the the other two? To be honest, I'm not I'm not really too sure because I think I would say Bradley should be the centre in in the middle of the three. Um, and Dylan's point about Naismith being able to carry the ball out um, and his pace, I'd say it, it, it would make more sense for him to be uh, left centre back. But it's it's obviously something that he's he's trying. And I mean, going back to how we were sort of discussing if we've not been at our best or you know not looked ourselves like recently, maybe it's not working. Um, but I I trust Jones and I trust the coaching staff to uh, make the right decision with with that. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think um, I think it's something that we'll continue to see. Um, I think we're going to continue seeing these these different options in terms of having Bradley as central, um, having even Burke and Lockyer go over to the left centre back role. I think that's that's something we could see. I think that different combinations will be tried this season. I think it's yeah something that we'll we'll probably grow and and come a bit used to. I think one thing we have to speak about is is the fact that in perhaps for the first time since that Birmingham game, it was a game where we we didn't create enough to deserve anything from a game. Probably I'd, I'd Preston into that as well. But is that a cause for concern that we didn't? when we come up against a, a back line that is there to, I don't want to say part of the bus because they did play some good football going forward, but to, if a team came to restrict us and that was their sole focus, is it a little bit concerning that we couldn't break them down or is it just one of those games again? I think on, on that, it's with, as much as I trust Jones and the coaching staff, it's always felt like, almost no matter who we have in charge, really, teams that come to Kenilworth Road that are hard to break down and they play for either the draw or a 1-0 win like Stoke did, we always have no plan B. And it's something that we've been saying since League Two days. Um, and it's just, it's just really frustrating that we can't seem to break teams down that do it. Um, but... At the same time, that's the sole purpose of it. That even if we do try, it's still going to be hard because they're they're smart and they know what they're doing, and that's their game plan. And I just hope that at some point we can find a good way to break those teams down. Did you not? Do you not view on your dimmer and Musque those sort of substitutions as, as a plan B, or do you think it was not enough of a plan B to to cause any any problems? I mean, I I. I wasn't there, so I, I can't really say, but um, it's I'm just going from sort of experience with it of when we've had, you know, Wickham and other teams that just frustrate us that we, the plan B is almost like, you know, we don't have a, a good backup option. Like, obviously, they are good players to bring on against those sort of teams, but if they're sitting back and letting us have the ball, and they know how to deal with it, then it's going to be hard either way. So I guess the plan B may not always work anyway. So it is just frustrating that we, you know, can't deal with those teams really. I think the thing, the thing from Saturday was, for me, was more of a personnel thing. 
Now, what's our, like, how do we win games? We win games by playing ultra high tempo, getting up the pitch as fast as we can, winning second balls and doing all that stuff brilliantly. And what Stokes said is, right, we're not going to give you, we're not going to, we're going to slow the tempo down. We're going to sit off so you can't play over us. And then when you play into Elijah, we'll deal with Elijah. You know, that's what they did. And I think then what we lacked in terms of personnel was, and that was no one's fault. It was just, you know, injuries and so on, is that receiver. A bit like Middlesbrough, where we, we lacked that receiver between the lines. So when we did try and stretch them with Cornick and Elijah, can we find that receiver in front of Sutar, Bat and uh, um, uh, Ostergaard? Can we play into the feet of the players? And, and I think, you know, and, and Campbell and Pelly aren't that type of player. They're the ones who really are aggressive and jump on the second. But in terms of like plan B and, and stuff, I think I don't think a plan B is that important. I think it's, can you tweak plan A? Can you get Musquein on your dimmer on? Because when you get Musquein on your dimmer on, that completely changes the dynamic of the game without then moving away from your way of playing. Because if you just suddenly rip it up and change completely change how you play, you lose a bit of quality. So can you then just change it a little bit, add a different dynamic and, and tweak the plan A, but I don't. I don't think um, Saturday is something to be massively concerned about, especially because we lacked Clark, your Berry, your Lansbury, and what did what did we lack on Saturday was quality in the final third, real receivers between the lines. Um, so it's nothing to be too worried about, um, and I, I wouldn't be too concerned about, you know, the lack of quality in the final third, just because the, our best players in the final third weren't available. Definitely. Yeah, I agree as, as well. I think as well, because our plan A, it, it can be very dynamic. We, we can play it into Eli. We can play around the sides. So so what is plan B? When, when you play out from the back and try and play around the sides, when you lump it up to Eli, then you almost like, what is a plan B? And ultimately, Harry Suter seemed like he was probably 10 foot at the weekend. Like He was winning everything against Eli. There was moments where Eli tried to pull off onto Ostergaard. But again, Ostergaard was, was winning the ball. So I think you have to say fair play to their back three. I thought they were solid at, at the weekend and just didn't let Eli play. And ultimately, Eli is still, what, 23? He, he, he will have those games. But as good as he is, he will have those games. Um, I think we do need to have a bit of bit of sort of sort of kudos to, to that state back three because I thought they, they, were, they were outstanding. I mean, I, I agree with all of that. And I think... With the whole tinkering thing, I, th I think it's just like knowing that a team is going to play like that. I think it's not having the plan B, but it's just knowing how they're going to play and making sure that we've got an effective solution to the problem, um, which obviously comes with time and tinkering the tactics, getting certain players in. But, you know, ultimately, as Dylan said, we didn't have the creative players, the our usual players that get us chances so yeah I think definitely not not something to worry about it's just yeah it's just making sure that we can sort of find an effective solution yeah it's it's always hard against that sort of style as well because there was a 15 minute spell before Burstick went down where we were close to, to how we were against Bowie in terms of that High tempo, press high, get the second ball, win it back, and then uh, and go from there. But then Burst it went down what, what for three, four minutes, and then it seemed like the game was just changed completely. So it's hard to keep that tempo up for prolonged spells when you've got players going down, when you've got the ref caught, like recording fouls when 
you probably could have let it go. Ultimately, I think John Moss would have called that foul on on Crooks on Tuesday. He was that sort of ref when that that, that was the goal that put us through one up. But John Moss probably would 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 have given that as a foul. Um, so I think it was just for me, it was just one of those days. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll get some sort of response when when we go to QPR after this international break. But we'll move on to the supporters uh, trust meeting that that happened yesterday. There was a few good little bits that that came from Jones and came from Sweet during that. And the first one, which is always brilliant to hear, is is that Jones said we be we believe that we can make the top six, which is always good to hear from your manager. And I think that's compared to last year we're hearing this a lot more and, and to think that we were for for large parts of the season maybe not in the mix but we were we were holding around mid mid table so what do you think's different this time around i know we said about this athleticism this this continued development of the philosophy of how we play but what do you feel that is different why do you think sort of the mindsets are, are going towards this top six as a, a genuine objective? Quality. We just have better players now. You know, we have players who can who can get us on the front foot and, and take control of games and and really go at opponents. You know, we can we can do all the things that, that Nathan and, and the squad have, have said that they can do, which is take teams on now. You know, we're not going away. And the one game that sticks in my head from last season was Birmingham away where you know, we we just sat in and defended for our lives, and then won it from a pot's long throw. You know, we we don't do that anymore. We don't we don't sit in like that. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not being you know snobby or anything, saying that was bad. That was just how we played at the time and and how we went about getting results. But now we're trying to control things more. We're trying to impose our way of playing on teams. We're trying to you know we set up in our way. We try and play our way, and and that's that's big because then you have an identity. And that identity then creates a culture that people can then fall back on. And when you have bad results, you say, what are our values? How do we play football? That's what we need to go back to. Um, so, yeah, you know, but it all comes down to recruitment, really. You know, you get better players in and uh, you, well, you should get better results, which, which we are. Just seeing there, Stephen getting battered by a fly. It's been <laughs> hitting me off this whole time. I keep hitting it and it just keeps coming back. I hate it. Uh, it's, it's doing you in, mate. It's doing you in. Um, <laughs> another thing that Jones said was that in, in 10 years' time, we'd like to be an established Premier League side. And in three years, we hope to be in power court and the Premier League side. So, again, another indication to basically the, the power court project that very, very exciting, but also the fact that in three years' time, in 2024, he, he wants us to be a Premier League side. And hearing those words, and if you think about seven years ago, being in National League, fifth tier of English football, and, and if somebody told you that in, in seven years' time, your manager is, is going to be speaking about genuinely becoming a Premier League side, you just would not have believed it one bit, would you? Going back to you saying about what's different this season of why we've got the confidence, I think there's a lot of momentum with the club. Like I think we spoke about it before and it's been touched upon like by other people, but the club has got momentum and I think that's always going to carry on to the pitch. And if the performances on the pitch are, are going well, it's going to carry into the club, and, you know, vice versa. Obviously, I've just said that. Um, it's, yeah, and I think just the momentum we've got at the moment is 
driving us forward. And there's, I can't, you know, I can't think of anything negative to ever say about the club, really, apart from not having power court now, because we expected that four or five years ago when it was announced. Um, but other than that, I don't think anyone can realistically say anything negative about the way the club is run, about our team, about the coaching staff, everything. Like we're employing ex-players as coaching staff now. And it's just, it's just so, we're, we're just such a healthy club and it's going to give us momentum in all, in all areas of the club. Yeah, and, and you can see that there's a, a long-term vision at the club. You, you, I mean, obviously you can see it because it's, it's spoken about quite often, but there's clubs that are, are in this league that you have no idea whether they come on or go in. You, you, they, they appoint manager to manager with no philosophy. You think it's just going to be what, what's best for now, but there's, there's, some, there's, there's probably some, some choices that are made at the football club that probably aren't the best for now, but they know that it's the, it's, it will, what serves us best going forward longer term for, for Premier League Luton Town. And it, it makes you feel a bit giddy when you sort of think about Premier League Luton Town. Like, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Like when, when, you, when you say those four, words, the four, those four words together, you think, what the hell? And probably there's, there's, there's fans of other clubs probably laughing at us thinking, not a chance, like they'll be in League One in a few years again. But for us, it, it seems like it's it's almost going to happen. It's a case of when, not if. Um, and kudos, obviously, to Nathan for the on-the-pitch stuff, but to, to Gary Sweet in 2020, kudos to them because they've, they've, they've taken a club in complete disarray and turned it into a club that is going to be a Premier League club in the not-so-distant future, which is, um, yeah, just amazing. And the club that we, literally every fan, can be proud of. Yeah, and, 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 and obviously we're, we're all sat here as 20-something lads who, yeah, we, we, we may not have seen the, the good old days that, that our, our dads have, um, but we ultimately got battered at school whilst we were non-league Luton Town fans. Um, mm. So it's a long time coming for us, especially to, to finally stick two fingers up to all those Stevenish fans at school. Um, it, would be, it, it would be amazing. What yeah. Stevenish fans? We deserve it, don't we? We definitely deserve Absolutely, it. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Another thing was speaking about Premier League Luton, a player that could certainly help get us there at the moment would be Keenan Dewsbury Hall. Obviously, he came on the pitch at half time to receive his Player of the Year award, seeing mm. a packed Kenilworth Road for the first time, which quite sad, really, that he never got to actually experience a full. Kenilworth Road rocking because I think that would have added a bit to his game as well. I think we could have even seen even even better performances from him. But the, the thing that came from this meeting was that Jones said, we've made it no secret that we'd love him back. If there is ever a possibility of getting him back, we'll explore it straight away. So not shutting the door still, is he? Come on, Brendan, you know it. January loan, come on. You know it, Brendan. It makes sense. I mean, him and, him and JJ come back. JJ for fitness. <laughs> I mean, Glenn Ray went to Woking, didn't he? So when he was recovering from his fitness, so I don't, yeah, just give us JJ and then Dewsbury Hall to get a bit of game time. Yeah, but on a serious note, I mean, just imagine being being him for that second half on Tuesday, you would have thought, wow, because it was the best that I, I heard the Kenny for a long time on Tuesday. It yeah. was 
it was electric. I mean, I I sit in in the in the sort of the well-known boring boring the boring boring from Kenny end. Um, but even that end was bouncing on Tuesday. So he put he's probably there get, guessing in, in in the director's box somewhere with Gary Sweet thinking, come on, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely love it. And then last one, Dylan is well from that meeting is um Joan said about not seeing Carlos Mendes Gomez go anywhere on loan during during January. Do you think that's a, a wise decision? Do you think he'll get sufficient game time at Luton or or is he a player that we we need at the club for for the now really? Car- Carlos is a project, you know, he's he's young, he's he's only played in League Two. Um you know, he's, he, I don't know how many games, I think it's only one full season in League Two and now suddenly he's playing in the Championship. Now the counter is, well, Elijah Adebayo. Look at him, he barely, he played 18 months in League Two and now he's playing in the Championship. However, Elijah was physically ready for the Championship when he came to us. So he was very raw, his movement in the box and, and understanding wasn't, wasn't there, but we could put him out to play because we knew that physically he can cope. So therefore he's resilient enough to play in the division. Carlos physically isn't is is a quite a long way behind. I think um, he he needs a lot more time. He needs a lot of strength and conditioning work for to get the level. Um, but he'll get there. He'll get there. And I think everyone at the club when they signed when they signed Carlos knew that he wasn't going to come in and and be that left winger that was going to you know get us to the playoffs. That he was going to take a year at least to just get to the level, you know, and 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 build. And I think the best place for him to do that is with us, because then he can develop within our structure and, and play and, and hopefully at some point next season really, really come alive. Um, but he just needs time. He needs time to, to develop. And, and so, yeah, hopefully no low move. Um, hopefully he can carry on developing with us. I, I read on Twitter the other day that someone said that Carlos Mendes Gomez must have been a panic by because of how oh God, how he's not so being involved in the squad or you know not getting straight into the team i'm just like i just saw that and i was like i can't bother with twitter today yeah yeah that, that was one to to quickly close the app and turn off for the evening wasn't it? i saw that um yeah i mean the, the, isn't there that out of context Luton town, Luton town account if, if you're listening please tweet it out because that, that that was pretty funny I mean, funnily enough, I, I actually started one of those like two years ago and then I just <laughs> forgot about it. And then now this other guy's doing it. And I'm like, oh, well, I, I, I should have kept it up and <laughs> uh, properly. But, you know, we'll just leave him to it. Just back to Planet Earth quickly. Where, where do you see him playing in, in this system at the minute? Like, do you see him playing behind the strikers or? Hard. <clears throat> it's hard because he's, he's someone who the more couldn't play off the left. And he was so good at kind of finding those wide pockets but receiving really clever and and just seeing stuff in the box from there mm. um oh, it's a hard one I, I don't see him his best position as a 10 behind this behind the front two but in this system it would be his best position where he can kind of roam around in there but that's the thing you know he physically struggles a bit at the minute um so when he's playing in those central areas where he's coming up against big holding midfielders and big centre-half stepping out to try and, you know, smash him. Um, that's where he struggles a bit. So in this system, behind the front two, but it's a bit like Fred, you know, where does Fred fit into this this system at the minute? Is it a wing-back? Is it in the front two? Uh, neither of those positions are really where he's at his best. Do you think that's... 
uh, the process at the moment with, with Carlos Mendes Gomez, do you think it's about getting him basically turn him into versatile option? Is it, is it about getting him playing as sort of that number 10, playing as a left winger, playing off the big man up top? Is that sort of, do you, can you see that being what Jones is, is doing to him right now, trying to make him a versatile option so he can fit different systems? Yeah, I think versatility is always important. I think with Carlos, he can play in the 10 pocket. I think the biggest thing with Carlos, regardless of position on the pitch, is, is just the physical side of the game and getting him physically ready because once you can once he's physically ready you absolutely can play versatile he can play in the 10 pocket he can play off elijah he can play off the left he can do all of that but the common thread through all of those positions is you've got to be physically at the level and he's not at the minute um but we've signed it we knew that when we signed him and we knew that this guy has potential and we really believe if we put the right work into him he'll be able to do it at some point um so it's more, it's just literally just physical and obviously other bits and bits as well. But yeah, he's, he's got to get up to the intensity of, of the championship, which is very difficult for someone who's only played one season uh, in League Two. All right, well, we'll move on to the January transfer window. 51 days until it opens. It's it's flying down. Be soon the 1st of January. So what do you think we need to do in, in January in terms of do you think we, we need to bring any players in, any any positions you feel that we, we could do with an extra body in, any particular players that are catching your eye or, or could see operating as a Luton Town player or are you very comfortable with what with what we've got as a as a squad and um, as a team? I, I hope that we finally sign Andy Johnson. <laughs> I'm waiting a while for that one. Yeah, yeah, it's been been a few years now, isn't it? Yeah, always been waiting for that. Maybe he can come as a coach. <laughs> Imagine, finally, yeah. <laughs> Bet they've got that graphic stored away in social media for a long time. Luton <laughs> have signed Andy Johnson. But I, I think for me, number one thing we must do in January, new contract with Simon Sluger. Absolutely. Number one. If that's the only thing we do in January, that would be a, a good month. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you think about it, if Sluga did depart, it's our record transfer fee gone pretty much. That's it. Don't really, of course, he's given us three three good years, well, two, two good years and one transitional period, we'll say. But yeah, he's, he's really proved himself. And then to, yeah, to not get him tied down to a new contract would be a big shame. I agree with that, definitely. There's questions if if we don't, then there's questions of do we need to sign a keeper in January? Not one that comes in straight away, but one that we look ahead towards the summer. Do we get one in in in, in the whole sort of environment? Um, other than that, I, I don't know what Dylan thinks, but I think we're, we're there or thereabouts. I think our squad's pretty good. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think there are any real gaping holes in the squad. I think the biggest hole is in terms of depth is is right wing back. Um, but we obviously already have Peter Chioso on the books, so I don't think it'd be a wise move to go out and uh, and sign a right back because then Peter Chioso comes back and we have three right backs. Um, so you know there, there aren't any any big holes really, and and I think that's good because it means you know we've we've recruited early in the summer and we've got a group together that we really want uh, wanted to have. And but as Jamie said, yeah, with 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 the Saluga situation, you know this is a big test for the club because we 
you know, we want to become this smart club that recruits smart and then adds value to players. Now we've spent, what was it, 1.2 million on Sluger. Um, if we let him go, if he, if he ends up leaving for, for nothing, then that's a bit worrying because we've spent so much on a player that we felt like we could improve and add value to, but then their contracts ran out. And this is where we need to, you know, this is where we need, this is part of being a smart club is we have Elijah Adebayo. How do we make sure Elijah Adebayo never loses his value as a, I hate using this word with regards to players, but as an asset to the football club, um, how do we make sure that Elijah Adebayo doesn't just run his contract down and leave for free and a, and a team, top championship team comes and picks him up for nothing? Um, so it's a big test and, and it'll be a good litmus test for us. Um, but look, we know that we have processes in place. We know that I'm sure we've been talking to him since the summer about a contract. So the, the ball will be rolling on that and I'm, I'm quite relaxed about it. Um, and of course, I think I share the thoughts of most Luton fans, which is no brainer for him to, well, from our point of view, a no brainer for, for him to stay. What about outgoings? What about players heading for the, the permanent exit door and, and any other players going out on loan? Can you see anything in, in terms of that? Potts is the one that springs to mind. But if we are persisting with this three at the back, then if Potts goes, we do need cover for Amari Bell because Count Naismith is really important for us in the back three. Um, yeah. So I think Potts is struggling a bit because he's obviously he's been injured, but then we've gone to this back three and Potts is not a wing back. So if anything, really, the only real hole in the squad that I can see is, is, is that left wing back, unless we genuinely feel Jordan Clark is, a, is an option there, which I, I don't like personally, but... Um, there's nothing pressing in terms of I don't I don't think anyone else really will, will go out. Um maybe maybe Hilton um if he gets a, a good move somewhere. But I, I think the squad's in a really good place at the minute and and we've got enough strength and depth. So I wouldn't be too worried about um you know panicking about players coming in unless their name starts with kid and, and ends with hall. Um <laughs> yeah I agree definitely on the left back point. Um I think Dan Potts has been good, but maybe it is time for him to 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 get a move. Who knows? I mean, Nathan obviously knows whether he he is it longer term a left wing back or whether he's a left sort of left and a half and a three. Um, if he does go out, and I think yeah, definitely a a younger sort of left sided sort of uh, fullback is definitely one that to, to look at. Um, Outgoing Dion, maybe. I mean, he, he went to Yeovil, came back injured, so maybe it's time for him to get a League Two loan because obviously we couldn't get, get him a League Two loan at, at the time. Um, but in January, we'll, we will be able to. Um, so that, that that might be a, might be an option. But other than that, yeah, the squad's in a really good place. Um, so unless any anyone comes in with that big blank check that, that, that Nathan has asked for for Eli, well, no, he's not asked for it, but he's, he's demanded it if, if anyone wants, want, wants him. Um, yeah, I think it'd be a case of one out, one in. Leon Pereira to uh, Steve Nidge after his little cameo performance against them uh, <laughs> earlier in the year. That that would be a great signing for them. He, he would he would smash League Two up. Yeah, that's why I was so surprised at the start that it was a, a National League move because we, I think we're all excited by him, even if it was a short cameo appearance. It, it was something that showed how class of an individual he is, and then the, how. He just makes things happen in a game that we were we were struggling. We were very very much struggling with, with players like Lansbury on the pitch as well. And 
and Pereira comes on and unlocks the defence as easy as that. Um, another player, Thorpe, we've spoken a little bit about him, is a temporary move, the, the kind of thing that you could see with him, or do you think he's, he's going to progress better with the under-23s and, and closer to the first-team environment? I think with him, it's him and uh, Mendes Gomez. Is that they've? I think they've got to grow with the squad and the team. Um, I don't think a lone move is going to suit either of them because we spoke about Mendes Gomez only having one season in League Two. He's got to have the right fitness levels for this league and you know the right um, the right strength and everything. Uh, with Thorpe, I assume it's going to be the same as well. Um, that he's just going to have to have like the right sort of you know fitness for this league. Um, and the way I kind of see it is that we're seeing the best of Berry in this league now, three years after you know we first got into the league, uh, or two years, however long it's been. Um, yeah, I think it that. Players like Berry like shows that even though players aren't ready, they need to stay with a team. They need to stay in our team and grow and learn how Nathan Jones wants them to play because they're not necessarily going to learn how he he wants them to play if they're out on loan. Even I know a short term loan isn't the worst thing, but I think for both Thorpe and Mendes Gomez, growing and learning the Nathan Jones style of play is better for them than going out on loan at this point. I agree with that. Um, I, think, I think Thorpe could probably do with the loan because he hasn't had that season in, in the Football League that, that Carlos had. Um, I think Carlos has had his season in, um, in the Football League. That, that was huge for him and he's shown that he can perform at that level. But I think with Thorpe, I, I don't see him... I think he's further away from the first team than, than um, Mendes Gomez mm. is. So I think it's because Thorpe's 21 now and he hasn't played off the top of my head. I don't think he's played in the Football League before. Um, so maybe he could do with just half a season out playing in League Two or League One um, to get that experience, which Carlos has already had. So I'm not sure that there's a huge benefit to putting Carlos out there because he's already done it and, and won promotion. Um, but I think Thorpe maybe could do with it, um, definitely. Um, but look, these... These are just, the club will know. I, I've hardly seen Thorpe, and most people hadn't because there's not much footage of him. But um, I think I think my gut tells me that Thorpe will probably get a loan move in Jan. Be interesting to see how that all plays out. But that is all we have time for today. A big thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech for today's podcast music. Also, a big thank you to you three for joining. We're also in the stages of relaunch at the moment, meaning we're looking to bring you more content in the form of blogs and these podcasts. So stay uh, listening, stay up to date with our social media because we'll have some exciting news coming up shortly. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.